Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The Greenville Oaks Church of Christ seeks all who need Jesus and together are becoming His fully devoted followers, encouraging and equipping people to love God, love people, and serve others in an ever-growing way of life. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Peck. As we begin this new set, this new series of lessons this summer on the Holy Spirit, I, I really can't wait to uh, introduce you uh, to what has changed my life as I've studied this over the last few years when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And we're calling this series Connected because... The Holy Spirit is real and is present. The question is, are we connected to that Spirit of God? Have we found that connection, the empowerment, the transformation that can only come from the Spirit of God? Because if you're anything like me, there are moments when you feel connected to God. You can probably go back to moments where you felt his presence. And there are also moments for most of us, maybe even right now, where we feel distant from God. Feels as if there's a disconnection or if there's a barrier between us and God. But here's what I believe in those moments. God didn't stop showing up. It's just that there are things that get in the way and, and time rolls by and there's suffering and there's unanswered prayers and there's things that happen in our lives that cause us to doubt. And, and, and that doubt is welcome here. It was welcome actually after the resurrection when there were people who came together and worshiped Jesus. And it says there in Matthew 28, but some doubted. And so Come in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your despair, in the midst of your hope, in the midst of your faith. That's why we gather as a community of faith, is to remind ourselves, for those of us who do have faith, that we can believe. And sometimes we need those who have faith to hold our faith together in those seasons. And so proclaim your faith. Those who are struggling right now need to hear your song. But if you're in that season of doubt, I want you to know the Spirit is close in this season and desires connection. God desires for you to know him and to come closer to him. But what I found in church over the last few years, and as I've been studying on this topic of the Holy Spirit, is we are so much more comfortable talking about God the Father and Jesus the Son than we are about the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of reasons for that that we'll get into this series. There's reasons from our faith tradition of why we focus less on the Holy Spirit. There's reasons, uh, I think, all over the place for why that's the case. But my belief is we don't just come together in this church to speak about what God did centuries ago through the Holy Spirit of God. We believe and trust that God through his spirit is still active today. Amen. And so we don't just come to tell stories about David and stories about Moses and stories about Jesus and Paul and, and Esther and, and Ruth. We tell stories about God's work among us today. And that's why it's so important to test, to give testimony, to give story what God is doing. That's why I'm grateful last week over the last two Sundays, actually, we've told lots of stories from people from our student ministry and those who also shared last week about those who've walked into our lives that have pointed us to Jesus. The spirit is still alive and active and with us. And, and to begin, I want to point out actually at the great commission, what Jesus said in Matthew 28 and that passage I referenced earlier. This is Matthew 28 verse, this, the last part of verse 20. It's the last part of that gospel of Matthew. Jesus promises, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
The primary way that Jesus is still with us is not in bodily form with Jesus on planet earth. I've never gotten to shake Jesus' hand, although I long for the day I'll get to see him face to face. But the presence of Jesus is still with us through the Holy Spirit of God that is living and active and indwells those who are followers of Jesus. So the question this morning is, are you connected to the Holy Spirit? And I want us to consider that as we move forward through the next several weeks. This morning, I want to start with a story, though. It was a few years ago that we were on a road trip, and I was, uh, my daughter Addison, our middle daughter, was two years old at the time, and she had uh, an iPad that she was watching in the car at the time, and, and uh, she was struggling with an app, and she was really fussy and frustrated about it. It was the Netflix app, and she had a movie she was wanting to watch, and for some reason, it wouldn't work. And, and, and the reason was because we had a, a Wi-Fi iPad instead of at that time, a 4G iPad was the other option. I know, first world problems, right? And, and so she was struggling to understand because at home it worked just fine. But we get in the car and that app wasn't working. She wasn't able to watch her movies. And so we said to Addison, I'm, I'm sorry, but we're not connected to the internet, which made absolutely no sense to her, right? What is this internet you speak of? It's just supposed to work. And she kept complaining and crying but give us a break. It's hard enough to explain to you all the difference between Wi-Fi and 4G iPads, right? But a two-year-old at the time, I'm trying to explain this, and we can't get the message across. And what I want to suggest to you this morning is an iPad is only useful to the connection it has to the source of the internet to get its full use, right? And in the same way, we as Christians are only as useful as our connection to the source of our power the source of our transformation, the source of the fruit that comes off our branches, and the source of that is the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, we can manage our lives fine on our own for certain seasons, but when we lack a connection to the Holy Spirit, we are not living in full connection and up to our full potential. And it's time for us to confess that many of us are lacking that power, are lacking that connection because we're lacking that connection to the Holy Spirit of God. And so many churches across our our country and across the world right now are not fulfilling their full potential. And the reason is not because we're not doing all we need to do, but because we're not connected to the source of power for the church. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. So that's the question that I want us to think about this summer. And I don't want us to just learn more information in this series. This, This series did nothing if it just informs us more about another person in the Godhead. This series is intended to connect us to how we can connect with that source of transformation and power and how we can live lives that are connected so that we can function as a church and as individuals in the way that God intended us to function. So that's my prayer that I want to pray over us right now as we launch this series together. God, we we come before you as a people who long to live up to our full potential, that long to live the abundant life that's found in Jesus and in your spirit. So God, my prayer today is whatever needs to be emptied out of us, other spirits that are not the Holy Spirit of God, would you remove those things, God? Would you, would you exercise those evil spirits that take the place that only your Holy Spirit is intended to live and to dwell and to move within us? And we beg you, God, to send your Holy Spirit as we have sung this morning, God, may it fall afresh on us. May we have a new experience so that we don't just speak to our experiences of the days at camp we had years ago. So we may not just experience, uh, tell stories about the things you did in the past, but so we may have a new way of telling stories in our present that you are alive and you are active and you are moving. We need your spirit. So God, may it fall afresh on us and may we live lives of abundance in the spirit that you have gifted to us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 
Now, when I say Holy Spirit, my guess is there's a lot of uh, things that come to your mind, right? Some of you may have grown up in churches that are, were more charismatic or Pentecostal. We tend to think about uh, the Holy Spirit in certain churches more than others, although I would tell you that the Holy Spirit is available to all who call on Jesus as Lord. Maybe some of you think about faith healers out there and maybe videos you've seen or maybe a Benny Hinn crusade. Maybe others of you, you're going, Holy Spirit, growing up it was the Holy Ghost and I was scared to death about whatever that was. I don't know what associations come to mind for you about the Holy Spirit, but here's something you might not know. I love etymology. I love the background of words. I think they tell us a lot. But did you know that in the Hebrew and Greek languages, The word that's translated as spirit in both of those languages can be translated in three ways. It can be translated as spirit, it can be translated as breath, or it can be translated as wind. The Hebrew word is ruach. You got to have that sound at the back of your throat when you say it, ruach. And and, uh, and the Greek word is pneuma. It's as if when the writers of scripture were talking about the spirit of God, what they're saying is that the Holy Spirit is as close to you as your own breath. That exercise that Christopher took us through earlier, this coming into awareness that the Spirit of God is the breath that God breathes into us. But it's also as if the Spirit is as uncontrollable as the wind. How many of you have ever had to had the chance to ever control the wind before, to harness it, to tell it when to move, tell it how fast? I mean, we can't do that, right? All we can do is harness the wind. There was a, a, a time in our lives where on Fridays, uh, it was my day off, still is my day off, but the kids were all at home. And so one summer we decided we we're going to go out every Friday and we were going to teach our kids lessons about God and about creation. So we'd go to the museum one day, we'd go and do this another day. And every day we'd, we'd talk with them on the way and on the way home about how God had created these things or how uh, a lesson about God. And one day we decided that we were going to uh, teach our kids about the Holy Spirit. And we were living in Denver at the time, and so uh, I, I didn't grow up uh, flying a kite very often, but it seemed like a great idea. I'd seen Mary Poppins, and that seemed to work out. And, and so we went to the store, and we bought a, a kite. And, and Maddox was young at the time, and so we saw the Lightning McQueen Cars kite, and we, so we bought that off the shelf and took it out to a park. And we were really excited about this lesson we were going to give about the Holy Spirit, our our, our daughter Addison was uh, pretty young at the time, and we go out to the park, and you know, I'm a novice kite flyer. It's about 20 to 25 mile per hour winds this day, which I thought was perfect for flying a kite. <laughs> and, and, and so we get out there, and we, we let the kite up, and we're ready with the you know, scriptures beside it, ready to lay out what the Holy Spirit's all about. And the kite breaks off its string and actually hits a car on the side of the road by the park. And Maddox is bawling at the time. He's like, my Lightning McQueen, why did he fly off? And it's just one of those parent moments. You're like, yeah, we're trying our best, but we're failing. And my kids may not have learned much that day about the Holy Spirit, but I can tell you I learned something that day. And that is as much as we may want to control the Spirit of God for our agenda, that's not what the Spirit really does, is it? No, we, we don't harness the Spirit for our agenda. The, the, the Spirit actually moves us or the Spirit's agenda when we're open to being used by the Spirit of God. And and that's true when it comes to the Spirit. As much as you want to control the Holy Spirit, you cannot control the Spirit of God. With the right tools, you might be able to see the wind affect things, right? We we can't even actually see the wind, right? Or breath. Only in certain circumstances, in in extreme cold, can we even see the effects of our breath, right? But but if you go out and you see a flag flying, you can see that the wind is there. It's not the wind itself, it's the effect of the wind. 
Same is true when it comes to a sailboat, right? I mean, if you're an expert sailor, you've been out there and you know how to work the sails in a certain way to be able to harness the wind in a certain direction. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And what I would suggest is we may not know a lot about spirituality and there may be a lot that's mysterious to us and more we want to grow into, but you can see a spiritual person that's being powered by the spirit of God. You can see the effect that has in one's life. And I want to live a life where I know, where where people know I'm a Christian, not because I claim that title, but because the spirit of God is growing fruit off my branches that others are able to take part in. And how many of you want the same thing? You want your life to show that actually it's the spirit of God that's moving you and not your own power that's doing it. You see, God sent us help. God sent us the Holy Spirit, our helper, our advocate. And over the next few months, we're going to learn more about what it looks like, who the spirit is. But again, I don't want this series to be about acquiring information. My prayer is that we will feel more confident at the end of this summer to live in tune with the spirit. I want us, I want people around us and around this church to wonder what is it that got into those people? And our response is not a what, but it's a who. Amen. So I I need you to grab your Bibles or your phones if you've got them around or maybe jot down these passages because we're going to move through a lot of scripture. I just want to identify from a starting point. Uh, through the Bible, where the Holy Spirit shows up. And and you don't even get past page one of your Bible before the Spirit of God starts showing up in the pages of Scripture. So this is Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When God began creating the heavens, the earth, the earth was formless and empty. It was, there was darkness, there was chaos, there were waters. And into that formlessness and absence and darkness and chaos, the spirit of God is described as hovering over that chaos. Some of you right now are experiencing chaos in your lives. If you were to open your calendar to me, I would show, I would be able to see the chaos that you have starting tomorrow morning. When the Spirit shows up in our lives, it doesn't create more chaos. When the Spirit shows up, what Genesis 1 starts off teaching us about the Spirit of God is the Spirit brings order to the chaos of our lives. It tames and orders the chaos. And then God speaks creation into existence. And do you remember how he does it? He speaks, right? It's his words that create day after day. When God creates the world day by day, he speaks. He breathes creation into existence. In Genesis 2-7, it tells us about how he creates humans. It shows up again, this word. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Yes, humans are made from the dust of the earth, the creation tells us story, the story tells us. But we would not be human beings were it not for the breath of God that comes into our lungs. We live as long as that breath of God is gifted to us. And the moment that breath is gone, we no longer can live. And the same is true, I would suggest, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that word that can mean wind, uh, ruach, is the same word that can mean spirit. Without the spirit of God empowering our lives, we cannot live long for long. It is God who empowers our bodies. But as we look on to the story of uh, the, the Exodus story in Exodus chapter uh, 14, we actually see the story of Israel passing through the waters of the Red Sea. They're being freed from bondage. They've been slaves in Egypt. And I want you to watch how God frees them and what he does in the midst of the story. This is Exodus 14, verse 21. Then Moses stretched his hand over the sea and all the night, all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east 
ruach, wind, and turned it into dry land. Is it the wind of God that holds the waters back? Is it the breath of God that parts the sea? Is it the spirit of God that parts the sea? We aren't fully sure. It can be translated in all of these ways. But throughout the Old Testament, we see the spirit of God descending and ascending and leaving and coming the people, uh, on the people of God. It's described as coming on Gideon and King Saul and Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and more. In fact, you've heard verses like these probably all your lives. And when it reads breath or wind, sometimes we mistake it and don't see it fully connected to the spirit that's there all along. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36 with me, if you would. This is a promise over Israel about what God's going to do in the days ahead after the exile. This is Ezekiel 36 verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And the passage after this in chapter 37, Ezekiel prophesies to this valley of dry bones. Maybe you remember this story. Pay attention again to these words as we notice the breath, the spirit, the wind of God. This is Ezekiel 37 verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, Ezekiel said. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh covered, uh, appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood upon their feet, a vast army. You see, when dead things come to life, it always happens because of the breath of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God. So if right now you're in a season, where things seem hopeless, or maybe you feel like you can't catch your breath, or maybe it feels like your bones have become dry and things have withered. If you want the life of God again, the prayer we pray is not a prayer for God to do something uh, on our own. It's the Spirit of God that has to breathe new breath into us. happens in the story of Acts, the story of the early church when things get started. This is Acts chapter 2 that I want to take us to now. And Acts 2 is the story of Pentecost. And what happens when the church comes to life? It's similar there to the prophecy in Ezekiel 37. This is Acts 2 verses 1 and 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It's God's breath. It's God's spirit that appears in this moment in Acts 2. We refer to it as Pentecost, but it's this moment where the spirit of God descends and these miraculous things happen. And it makes me wonder how many of us this morning need a fresh wind in our lives. How many of us this morning need God to breathe into the dry bones that have long grown cold? How many of you need the spirit of God to bring a Pentecost in your life? That's what I want us to end this morning praying for us as a church and as a body, is that we would experience that spirit. But before we pray, I want to uh, start with a confession this morning. If you're visiting this morning from another congregation, I want to beg you to be unusually gracious to your preacher on Sunday mornings at the church you attend. You can send them a critical email later in the week, but give them at least 24 hours. 
is every Sunday afternoon, like a lot of preachers I know, I have a mild depression that settles over me. Because as complex as I make the good news of Jesus sound when it's really simple, my job every Sunday is to communicate one word. And that word is God. And every week I get up on the stage and that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to say God to you all. And I I fail every Sunday to get it out just as I'd like to. I never seem to communicate it as clearly as I want to. And it's difficult because I've never shaken God's hand. I've never had a face-to-face encounter with God. One day when I see God face-to-face, that will all change and I'll see God clearly. But right now I see in a mirror and I'm doing as good of a job every Sunday as I can to say that word, God. But the word God is even easier to communicate than the word I'm seeking to speak over these next 10 weeks. The word spirit. Spirit is mysterious. Spirit, wind, breath. I mean, how how do you describe spirit to your kids who ask questions about the Holy Spirit? How do you put into words something that can't be put into words? Spirit is this mysterious word. And and then you add the words of Jesus to the mix about the spirit and it gets even more mysterious. It gets more miraculous. And, And what I want to leave you with today are some words out of John 14 through 16. This is the dialogue that Jesus has with his disciples before he dies on the cross. It's probably the clearest description we have of the Holy Spirit in a prolonged sense. And Jesus is trying to bring comfort to his disciples. He's about to leave them. And this is the best he's got to offer to them. And I offer them to you to dwell on this week is if you want to know more about the spirit of God, a lot of it's mysterious, but it gets as clear as it can here in the red letters of Jesus. And so if you can trust Jesus this morning, then listen to these words because they're amazing words for us to understand as we seek to understand more about the Holy spirit of God. The first comes in John 14 verses 16 and 17. Listen to this description of what Jesus says about the spirit. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is going to ask the Father, he says, to send this advocate, this helper, this spirit of truth to these disciples. And the spirit is promised here, Uh, In verse 26, as we read on to do specific things for us, and this is true for us who have the Spirit in our lives. Verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus is even clearer in this verse about who the advocate is, the Spirit of truth. This Spirit is going to remind them of everything that Jesus has said. Now think about this. If Jesus is going to leave, he's had all these sermons, all these messages, and I'm sure they're thinking that they don't have the Bible to go and and point to that verse and show what he said. And so Jesus is saying, look, after I'm gone, you're not going to have my words, but I'll promise you this. I'm going to send this advocate, this helper, this spirit of truth that's going to lead you into all truth and will remind you of everything I have said. This is what the spirit does in our lives. And so 2000 years later, we can still stand hopeful that we have the word of God spoken to us, given to us by teachers, because the same spirit that was promised to those disciples is promised with the same guarantee that, that we'll continue to have the words of Jesus reminded and given to us. But one of the craziest passages of what Jesus says in this chapter comes in chapter 16. This is amazing stuff. Listen to this in John 16, verse 7. But very truly I tell you, 
it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Let me read that again one more time. Listen closely. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is one of the most remarkable things Jesus ever said on planet Earth. He's about to leave these disciples. And he's trying to give them comfort. This would not comfort me if I were the disciples. The minute he says, I am going away, I'd be scared to death of what's next. But Jesus doesn't believe that at all. What he says is, it's good that I'm going away. Because what's about to come, the gift I'm about to offer to you, this advocate, this helper, is far better than having me here with you. That's remarkable, church. I don't know that I trust that word because if I had a choice between the spirit of God living in me, which is a gift I have right now, a gift that you have, those of you who've committed your lives to Jesus, and I had a chance to live and walk for three years with Jesus on planet earth, I think if I'm honest, I'd take Jesus on planet earth. But Jesus says that's the wrong decision. He says, it's better that I leave what you've had over the last three years so that this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit that's about to be offered can be given to you. Which means for so many of us that wish we could see Jesus and we could have walked his paths and we could have touched his his nail-scarred hands, what we have right now is even better than that. And if that's true, which I'm trusting it is because I trust the words of Jesus, then that means I've got a lot more to learn about this Holy Spirit and the gift that's been given to me. And my guess is that that's true for you as well. That if you had that option, many of you would take Jesus and Jesus saying, you're making a bad decision there (laughs) because it's actually a good thing that I go because what's about to come is even better than what you've experienced already. That's amazing. But then that may make more sense of what he says back in chapter 14. Let me read chapter 14, verse 12, and then we'll close our time together. Chapter 14, John 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Again, these are just mysterious passages that I don't fully understand. Because I get Jesus being here, I don't fully understand the gift that I have. But, But then he goes on to say, look, all these things I've been doing, after I'm gone, you're actually gonna do even greater things than what you've seen. Church, I... I don't know how many times in my life I can say I've seen greater things done than what I hear preached on Sunday morning about what God did in the past. And I think that's because of a lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit of God. The same power that was at work in Jesus is at work in us. We come together on all of these Sundays and we tend to tell stories about that time in the past where God used to act and do things. But if we truly believe this gift is better than having Jesus with us and that we will do greater things than Jesus did, it makes me wonder what are we missing out on? What have we not fully lived and tuned to be empowered to see? What miracles are still being waited, being done today that we have missed out on because we haven't been willing to trust and pray in faith and to move and do things. I know this word is is hard in the midst of those of us who've done those things. We've prayed those prayers and and that's part of our doubt and our struggle is we probably ought to lower our expectations because people might lose their faith if we leaned into this anymore. 
that I've had to confess over the past few years as I've walked into Rooted in my discipleship journey and my prayer experience with Rooted, I've had to acknowledge and confess that sometimes I've tried to protect people from disappointment and lowered people's expectations rather than building faith and trying to let them lean in to the Spirit of God and the words of Jesus that promises that God's not done moving. And it's this tension to hold because a lot of us, we struggle with faith because of the prayers that haven't been answered but sometimes we don't pray the prayers because we're scared that we might be disappointed and lose faith altogether. And I, I see these words of Jesus and it, it causes me to wonder, what are we missing? And church, that's what I'm excited for the next few weeks to be able to share together is what in the world is this incredible gift that's better than having Jesus with us? And what are these greater things that God wants to do that we're not giving testimony to right now? And I don't have all the answers but I hope you'll journey with me with these questions with Jesus in John 14 to 16. Read these passages, these three chapters this week, if you would. And I want to leave you with a challenge as we enter into the series. Last series, when we talked about launching disciples, we gave out cards and we asked you to pray for those uh, kids and students that were on the card that you were handed. And we want to encourage you to continue to do that through this summer. But I want to give you a a different challenge during this series. And it is to pray a prayer um, that is trying to follow the command of Jesus or the command of Paul, actually, in Ephesians 5, verse 18. In that verse, he says, look, don't, don't get drunk and go into debauchery with all these spirits that aren't of me. And what I want you to do is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting, right? It's a, it's a command, but it's a passive command. It's not fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. It's be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an opportunity for us to ask God to do something we can't do on our own. So my challenge to you through this series over the summer is that you'll begin to utter this prayer on a regular basis. Let it be a a breath prayer for you. Let it be a prayer that you pray in traffic. Let it be a prayer you pray in difficult moments and in good moments. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I'm wondering is what would happen if a church began to pray this prayer to make this request? Because the truth is God's Spirit is here when we say, come Holy Spirit. When we say, sing, come Holy Spirit together, what we're saying is we're open to the coming of your spirit in our lives. May we be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to challenge you to pray that prayer. And I want to pray for us right now as we enter into this series and study over the next few weeks. God, we thank you so much for this gift that you've given to us. And God, a lot of us can confess this morning, we, we don't fully understand the words of Jesus and some of the promises he said, and that he said it would, it would be better this gift that we have rather than actually having him here with us. So God, we in, in faith, thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection and the ascension, God, that, that now we have a hope of eternal life. But God, we, we also thank you that Jesus is gone because somehow his leaving allowed for this gift that still remains unwrapped and untouched and ununderstood and, and that we lack connection to. So God, my prayer is that you would help us to connect with the Holy Spirit that you've given to us. God, I pray today that we would lift up this prayer on a regular basis and that you would answer the desires of our hearts, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And as we come to know more over these next few weeks, may it not just be a knowledge that stays in our heads, but may it be a knowledge that is lived out in our lives and turns into fruit on our trees. And God, we pray all this in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. And all God's people who agreed said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. 
We hope this message helps you in your walk to find real significance in Jesus. Connect with us on Twitter. You can find and follow us there at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.